Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from August 27th, 1983, taped on August 17th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and of course, the man joining me as he does each and every week. Mr. New Orleans himself, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. I think I like Mr. New Orleans better than um, the uh, M2S Monica because that's a previous day and time of my life. So I live and breathe things that are New Orleans. So yes, thank you very much for that introduction. I'm doing great. We've got a interesting little thing in this week's episode because we have Jim Ross on the show this week with Boyd Pierce. So the show, from a commentary standpoint, has a very, very different flavor. And you got to realize, everyone, this is young JR, young JR, way before even, you know, I, I know a lot of people out there know him from his WWE years and they think about that time frame. And I mean, we're talking pre JR from even the, the WCW years, and, and which I thought he did some really, really good work to me, especially in like 89 and 90. So yeah, this is a very, very young JR here as we jump into this week's episode of Mid-South Wrestling. I think JR's integration into being a regular on Mid-South TV began last week on Mid-South Wrestling, same television taping, but we get more of it this week. And like you said, this is a young Jim Ross, even though he'd been doing commentary for Leroy McGurk, he's still learning his way. He's still figuring things out, especially figuring out how to do things the way Bill Watts wants him to do it on the air. But with that said, let's go to the show open right now, August 27th, 1983. This week's edition of Mid-South Television Network is with you. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action. Tag team match headlines the card this week. It'll be Dr. Death Steve Williams and his partner Magnum TAA as they take on the rugged duo of Ted DiBiase and King Kong Bundy. North American heavyweight champion Hacksaw Butch Reed will be in action. All the top stars are here, including Hacksaw Jim Dugan. You'll see Kamala, the Ugandan warrior, and the outdoorsman, the strongman from the Northwoods of Minnesota, Crusher Dorso. We'll see all of them in action right now. Let's go to the ring for the introduction of the opening event. And a man to tell you about it with us this week, a man who's very active in the Mid-South promotion of professional wrestling in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the knowledgeable Jim Ross. Well, thank you very much, boy. Of course, it's a great pleasure to be back with you fans this week. Matchmaker Grizzly Smith has organized a tremendous card, and it should be a, a great hour of action for everyone. So let's go to the ring now, and we'll hear from Reese Bowden on our first match getting into the ring now. Well, there it is, the show open. I don't know what you think, Mike, but it seems like Boyd almost forgot to introduce Jim Ross until the very end. <laughs> uh, I kind of caught that, too, um, and I think it's just because I don't know if he's not used to JR, even though they've done it before, but still, he's kind of like just feeling his way out, too. You know, there is something to that. I mean, the chemistry between two commentators when it comes to the color commentator and the play-by-play -play guy. I, I've never experienced, I've never been a color or play-by-play -play guy, but I can tell you just from podcasting, I remember our early days of doing this exact show. Uh, we, we had to kind of feel it out and, you know, just find a rhythm. And I, I'm certain, I don't know if, you know, in an opening of a show, if that's what that was right there at Boyd, but I know, you know, chemistry is definitely a thing. And I, I believe these two are obviously still trying to find a chemistry because again, Boyd is usually just used to, all right, everybody, welcome to Mid-South Wrestling. Uh, let me talk to Cowboy Bill Watts here. I mean, it's just, you know, so 
He's doing a little bit more talking than normal. Not not that much more, but still, there, there's that chemistry thing, and he's still feeling his way out with JR. Well, we get our opening match. Hacksaw Duggan versus Boris Zerkov. Ricky Ferreira, the referee. Hacksaw Duggan has his ribs taped up because of what happened last week, the attack by Kamala onto his ribs. Let's play some audio of the opening of this match, and we'll talk about it on the other side, Mike. Holding up his Russian flag is Boris Zerkov, his opponent, who's proud to be from the USA, Axel Dugan. Jim Ross, it looks like Dugan is still suffering from that injury to the rib suffered here last week on Mid-South Wrestling Television. He certainly is, Boyd, and uh, Jim Dugan, just to show the an example of the tremendous intestinal fortitude that he does possess. Many wrestlers would not even venture in the ring after sustaining an injury like Jim Dugan did last week with pull rib cartilage. A lot of athletes, uh, that lays a lot of athletes up. It obviously restricts the breathing, but he's got those ribs taped up, and he's out there again against a very, very tough man, Boris Zerkoff, and, and Dugan going right for Zerkoff, and Zerkoff making a quick exit. And the frustration is very evident on the face of Boris Zerkoff because Jim Dugan is starting out just like he started out last week against Hacksaw Butchery. Well, there we hear at the opening minutes of the match, or the opening minute of the match, and the reference to the injured ribs of Hacksaw Duggan. Mike, what are your thoughts about this and the match in general? Uh, it's a good little match. I like JR's commentary there. And to be honest, as you listen to him, that's Bill Watts' words. It's just JR. To me, at least that's how I felt. I felt that was Bill Watts' words, but that's Jim Ross, like, you know, taking the cues from Watts. You know, I'm sure Watts said, look, Duggan got the ribs damaged. He's going to have the torso all bandaged up. Make sure you sell how not only tough he is for wrestling through it, but that, you know, it, it can make breathing hard and, and wrestling this match hard because, you know, how can you breathe when your torso is completely bandaged? And then even in the match, like, Zerkoff gives Duggan a bear hug and, you know, JR points out how, man, that's a good job by Zerkoff to work that hole given the ribs that have been damaged in, in you know, last week's episode. So I, I thought JR, you hear the term sports space nowadays, right, Brian, all the time when it comes to a certain wrestling organization. I feel like this is certainly sports based commentary as we're talking about pro wrestling here, because it makes a lot of sense. Zerkoff would work the ribs given Duggan's injury, and uh, I thought JR sold it all well and explained it all well right here. Hacksaw Duggan wins with the spear. We get our next match. Kamala with General Skandar Akbar and Friday versus Randy Barber, Johnny Martinez, the referee. Let's hear some thoughts from Jim Ross about Kamala. Kamala, the Ugandan warrior, unleashing those savage chops. Randy Barber and another one and down goes Barber and Kamala the Ugandan warrior in the last few weeks seems to be more vicious than ever before. Kamala has really hit stride as one of the top wrestling stars in all the country and I know that General Skandar Akbar is very proud and tells everyone of all the calls and the cards and the letters that he gets from promoters all over the country wanting to use the services of Kamala. Of course, he's controlled entirely by General Skandar Akbar, and Akbar has a, some sort of mystic power over this man, enabled him to communicate a savage chop, almost taking the head off of Randy Barber, and down he goes once again. Barber has spent much more time on the mat than he has standing on his feet, but that's a story with, with most people that wrestle against Kamala. Kamala with those big hands, those big hands, and there you see Kamala looking outside the ropes for instruction from Akbar and from Friday. 
Well, there you hear Jim Ross on Kamala. Basic stuff there, but you can kind of get the idea that Jim Ross is learning his way on Mid-South. Similar to Bill Watts as he's talking, it's just him. It's not Boyd and him going back and forth. It's Jim Ross covering the majority of the match. What are your thoughts on what's going on here, Mike? I, I like, I mean, JR again, he's just putting over what's going on in the match. He's putting over Kamala. He's putting over uh, Akbar. I like what he says about, you know, JR, he, he he just brings up things that you're like, there's no way he could make that up. Like, he's like, Akbar's getting letters about, you know, from promoters who all want Kamala and, and um you know, Akbar and Friday, they're the only ones that can control this mystic, you know, Kamala, or they have a mystic power over Kamala. So, I, again, it's just something you just don't see a lot in wrestling these days. They're, as crazy as the Kamala gimmick was, as we look back at it, I feel like jr and watts when they're talking about him it's always serious like they're always being serious about him there's no wink and a nod to you know this ridiculous gimmick that kamala has and i think that's partly why we you know bought into the gimmick so much is because of that kamala ends up winning with the splash on randy barber coming out of that mike we get a recap of what happened last week the battle of the hacksaws duggan and reed of course kamala and skandar akbar attack jim duggan Jim Duggan held down while Kamala splashes him, leading to the rib injury and the taped-up ribs that we saw and heard about earlier in the show. Coming out of that, we get a non-title match. The North American champion Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Joshua Stroud, Rick Ferreira, the referee. You know, a few weeks ago when we first saw Josh Stroud on Mid-South TV, I was trying to think, where do I... I mean, I know his name and I remember him. But there was one specific thing I remember him from, and I couldn't recall what it was. This match was it. Because in 1984, when Bill Watts started putting out those videos to show how real Mid-South Wrestling was, comparing it to the cartoon show that was coming out of New York on Channel 9 or USA Network, the WWF, one of the clips shown, I think with a Joel Watts voiceover, was Butch Reed power-pressing Josh Stroud and slamming him down right onto his head, which I think the voiceover said he got a concussion there. It was this match that had happened. What are your thoughts on this match? So I didn't remember that clip from th- that video. I, I remember that video package. I didn't remember this specific clip from that video package. But Butch Reed certainly, Stroud almost lands right on his head. As you watch it, Stroud goes over and you can tell he grabs his head. And I think when Butch went down to pin him, he said something to him. I don't know what he said, but you could see him put his face down into basically his own armpit to like cover what he was saying. He said something to Stroud. So, um, I mean, Butch Reed, Stroud got a little offense in the beginning, but Butch Reed was pretty dominant in this thing. But uh, if you want to go back and watch this, Stroud does land on his head, although he does roll through it. But uh, it, it looks like it may have given him a concussion, and he may have had a little neck pain afterwards as well. It was pretty brutal when you rewatch it. Butch Reed wins with the power press slam. And coming out of that, we get a big match here, Mike. Ted DiBiase and King Kong Bundy versus Magnum TA and Steve Dr. Death Williams, two referees, Johnny Martinez and Rick Ferrara. Before we play any audio, and we have several audio clips to play, any thoughts about this match? Big match. This is really, really huge. Brian, I I hate to throw it back to you, but I I did have one question for you. Do you find it ironic that they're not, I mean, the current tag team champions are not Dr. Death and Magnum TA. And I just want to point something out as, as we're getting ready to talk about this match. This is why I always say, like, sometimes 
modern wrestling, rightfully so, gets picked apart. But there are things that were done in the previous era, in the territory era, that we just didn't even think about. And we we, we weren't um, as educated enough at the time to even say, oh, well, why is T.A. tagging with Dr. Death when T.A. is a tag champ with Duggan? Like, we didn't even think about it back then. We just were like, oh, we'll go with it. We got four big stars in the ring. So what? Who cares? Let's just do it. But if this happened in modern wrestling, like if uh, one member of the Revival or FTR with, is their name now, you know, wrestled with another partner in a match, people would be like, wow, well, they're the champs. Why aren't they tagging together? So I, I, I point that out to say, sometimes let's just be a little kinder to modern wrestling unless they just insult your intelligence and when they have certain people in the ring who don't deserve to be in the ring. I'll leave it at that. Uh, this is a big match. Uh, we're going to hear some audio in a second. Boyd and Jim Ross, they'll, they're, they're going to have some comments here where Jim JR mentions that both refs are, are making sure DiBiase doesn't have any foreign objects. And JR states last week we saw DiBiase pull out something, and it also looked like DiBiase passed something to Akbar as he was getting checked early on in this match. Now I'll throw it to you, Brian, since I'm uh, rambling here. Well, to your point, while you could argue that 1984 is the greatest year for Mid-South Wrestling in terms of tag teams, the last several months in 1983 have probably seen the tag team titles mean less than ever before because you had DiBiase and Olympia win it, and then Olympia and Boris Zerkov defend it, and then I think it was DiBiase and Zerkov lost it to TA and Duggan, who had never been a tag team before. And since that time, this is the second tag team match we've seen TA in that Duggan wasn't his partner. That was Steve Dr. Death Williams. I mean, maybe they should have put the belt on. Steve Dr. Death Williams and Magnum TA instead of Hacksaw Duggan, who's still involved in a main event feud. I mean, a few, if you think about it, him and Kamala, him and Akbar, him and Butch Reed, the Battle of the Hacksaws. While tag team wrestling and the tag team titles would mean more than ever before in 1984, it's this period of time, a few months before that, at the end of summer 1983, that I think you could argue they've never meant less in Mid-South Wrestling. Yeah, and you actually just, you made a point that I was thinking of as I was saying that we get to an era shortly where midnight rock and roll and all of a sudden tag team belts are, I mean, I don't want to say they're on par with the North American title. That's unfair, but you cannot, you can't underestimate how big they were at that point in time when you had those teams in there feuding for it. So it's just interesting when you think about it, because you're right, the the tag team titles have meant not much here. I mean, we've seen some mixed match tag teams, and now we, we're seeing these two guys tagging. They're not even the champs. You know, you got one member of the champs. It's it's just very odd. And again, I only wanted to state that because I have this bit that I talk about on Booking the Territory all the time where, you know, these old timers go, everything was airtight, brother. And, you know, the, the joke is, no, it wasn't. Because it wasn't always airtight. Now, that doesn't mean they insulted our intelligence either with the commentary. So there was, uh, you know, a lot more good than bad. There were a lot more consistencies than inconsistencies. But it's just a point to make that not everything was perfect. And, you know, everything doesn't need to be looked at through rose-colored glasses like it always does. That was the point I was making. But, yeah, there's that. Let's go now to the opening of this match. Once again, Ted DiBiase and King Kong Bundy versus Magnum TA and Steve Dr. Death Williams. The introduction of the tag team match. We have two referees, Rick Pereira and Johnny Martinez. Aboard what they're doing, I heard the referees conferring with Grizzly Smith prior to this match, and what they're doing because of what appeared to happen last week and things that have happened in the past. They both referees are searching Ted DiBiase because DiBiase has been accused many, many times. And I know from the fans that I've talked to 
DiBiase has been accused many, many times of carrying a foreign object to the ring and using it on his opponents. And of course, uh, those that loaded glove of his is, is pure devastation. And it looked as if, it looked as if from my vantage point there, Boyd, that he just passed something to General Skandar Akbar. I would, wouldn't want to go to court on that, but it looked like from where we were sitting and looking at the monitor, that DiBiase did indeed pass something to General Skandar Akbar. And also looking at the smug look on Akbar's face. Akbar also backing away from the ring, so. Tag team action. Steve Dr. Death Williams, who uses the Oklahoma Stampede to perfection, brings back shades of the master of that hold, Cowboy Bill Watts, and Steve's partner, Magnum T.A., the protege of Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, against the big cheese, Ted DiBiase and Devastation Incorporated, King Kong Bundy, who also uses the Atlantic City Avalanche. Well, there we hear at the opening of the match, and an object passed from DiBiase to Akbar, at which point, for no, really no good reason, Boyd says, look at the smug look on Akbar's face. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they're setting something up for later in the match with this foreign object passed from DiBiase to Akbar, Mike. Yeah, and I, I'm going to say you can clearly see, although you can't clearly see, but DiBiase definitely, like, as the refs are checking him, he he rolls out of the ring, and he, and he Akbar's down there, and you can see, like, Akbar's kind of standing a little bit to the kind of sideways beside, or, or behind him, too. And the reason you can tell is the camera picks up Akbar turning around and stuffing something in his, in his shirt pocket. And that's where you can see, okay, something was passed. I'm going to assume that Boyd could see the look on Akbar's face when he made that statement saying he had a smug look because, you know, Boyd's sitting right there and Akbar is not that far from him. So he saw the look on Akbar's face when Akbar put whatever that was in his pocket. But to your point, and the greater point of all this is they're planning, you know, they're planning something for later. And that's what we need to remember right here. Well, it's a good match back and forth. One of the notes about this match is you see Dr. Death still early in his career selling a little more than he would in the future, bumping around like a smaller guy at times, actually, for DiBiase. But let's pick up the audio a few minutes into the match, and we'll hear what exactly happens, not only with the match, but with this foreign object. And we'll talk about it on the other side. There's going to be a lot to talk about on the other side. Let's pick things up with DiBiase in the ring with Dr. Death Steve Williams. And now DiBiase trying to seize this opportunity, this advantage that he has, going up to that second rope. A legal maneuver. The top rope is illegal in Mid-South Wrestling. Flying Mare takeover and Dr. Death down for a two count. DiBiase very quickly tags out. I think the experience and, and teamwork of Dr. Death and, or excuse me, of Ted DiBiase and King Kong Bundy coming through. 420 dropping down on Dr. Death. And Steve Williams is in trouble wrestling fans at this point in time in this match. That's one thing about professional wrestling. Just great condition athletes, Jim. Well, Dr. Death, Steve Williams at 295 has absorbed a tremendous amount of punishment, but I guarantee you, he's got a heart. He's got a big heart, and he's going to stay in there and fight. But he's got the odds, and Dick Statue gets him right now. Bundy going for that knee, and Dr. Death moving out of the way. Williams moving out of the way, and Bundy goes down on those knees, and that's got to be quite a strain. 420 going down on those knees. DiBiase frantically trying to make the tag, and he does. 
DiBiase makes the tag, but so does Williams and Magnum TA, the legal man in the ring. The legal man in the ring are Magnum TA and Ted DiBiase, and they're going at it right in the middle of the squared circle. Magnum TA taking it right to the big cheese, and he's got him down for a one-two count. Flying elbows of Magnum TA now on Ted DiBiase from Omaha, Nebraska. And Magnum TA has got the sleeper hold. TA has got that sleeper hold firmly entrenched around the neck of Ted DiBiase. In comes Steve Williams, the referee, putting Williams out. The referee will have to put Williams out, but Bundy with that, Bundy with that thunderous form, that oak-like form, Williams comes back in and he's going after Bundy. General Skandar Akbar coming back to ringside. Akbar has thrown DiBiase some object. Akbar has given DiBiase something in his hand. DiBiase has teed off on Magnum TA. Out goes Dr. Death. It's Bundy. It's DiBiase against a prone Magnum TA. And the, the object, Jim Dugan has the object and he's chasing Skandar Akbar around. Jim Dugan has the object in his hand. Jim Dugan has the object in his hand. DiBiase's ready. And Dugan have it. Dugan let DiBiase have it. The referees count one, two, three. Magnum PA and Steve Dr. Death Williams have defeated the big cheese. Ted DiBiase and King Kong Bundy right here on Mid-South Wrestling. He counted to three and could have counted to ten as well. There's the victors. Steve Dr. Death Williams, Magnum PA. We have more action coming up after this message from Mid-South. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Some great stuff there. I got to point out, Magnum TA still selling, being punched in the head on the mat as we go to the commercial break. So that's really good. He didn't just pop up and all of a sudden he's okay. Even though he got the pin, they're still selling that he's hurt. But Skandar Akbar throws the object we heard about earlier to Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase uses it, and from there, everything breaks loose. Recap this, Mike. Yeah, this was wild, but really, really good and well done the way they did it. I, I really enjoyed this. Again, we go back to the beginning where DiBiase evidently passed something to Akbar, right? And Akbar pretty much stayed out of it, things regarding this match the whole time. He didn't get involved at all. But in, in, in our mind uh, earlier, we did see something get passed. We couldn't see what it was, but we knew Akbar had something in his pocket. So it, it looks like DiBiase is going to be on the ropes. I mean, Magnum... Magnum puts DiBiase in the sleeper, but Bundy, you know, being a good tag team partner that he is, he breaks the hold. He comes in and throws a massive forearm against Magnum's back, and Magnum takes a great-looking bump from it. It really looked, really looked good. That makes things turn into a four-way. All four guys are in the ring. DiBiase is getting up, and that's when Akbar approaches, uh, you know, close to the, the ring apron, and he gives DiBiase whatever it was to load his glove. So DiBiase nails T.A., and boy, T.A. takes a nice bump when he falls backwards. But out of nowhere, T.A.'s tag team partner, Duggan, you heard him come down. Again, I pointed this out a while back. You can tell he's coming before he's coming because the crowd's going nuts and you hear a slight Duggan chant. So, again, we don't need music. We just have the guy hit the, hit the steps in the Irish McNeil and he's running down to come help out T.A. So Duggan, he comes down and he intercepts, I guess is the best way to put it. DiBiase is trying to unload the gimmick. So he... He, he just throws it behind his back because he thinks Akbar's back there to catch it. Well, Duggan intercepts it, and Duggan starts chasing Akbar around the ring. Well, Duggan can't catch Akbar, so he says, screw it. The, the, the referee is looking at Akbar. 
DiBiase's got TA pinned near the ropes. Duggan just cracks DiBiase in the head with the gimmick. DiBiase uh, or TA decides, oh, wait, he's out. So TA still selling, rolls over, gets on DiBiase and pins him. And the crowd goes nuts because the referee, I think it was Johnny Martinez, he turns around and counts the pin. It just was, there was a lot of moving parts there, but it really was a nice little fun little finish the way they did it. Again, they planted the seed with the gimmick at the beginning where DiBiase passed it to Akbar. Akbar throws it into DiBiase. DiBiase tries to unload it, but in, in football terms, uh, Duggan intercepts it and gets his revenge and helps his teammate out, well, his tag team partner out that they're champs with. He's obviously tag team with Dr. Death. And T.A. and Dr. Death win, and the Irish McNeil is lit, as the kids say. Duggan almost caught it, too. I mean, that's the only mistake I could say here. DiBiase threw it towards Akbar, but over enough that someone could get it. And I think Duggan was probably supposed to catch it out of the air, but he missed it. It dropped. And then he quickly picked it up and started chasing Akbar. At the very end, after the finish, there's a funny visual to him, just Akbar running away off camera from Duggan. I don't know why, but there's something about that that cracked me up. But great stuff here. And again, a clever finish. A clever finish with the object going back and forth, finally ending up in Duggan's hand and that costing them the match. Bundy almost got in there with enough time to break up the pin, but luckily Duggan got back to him just in enough time as the pinfall was happening. I mean, when you hear the pop for the pinfall, that's also a pop for Duggan punching Bundy in the face with the object. Yeah, and, and Bundy... He doesn't do like the JYD Timberg fall, but he kind of like he he does that slow motion. Oh, damn, you just hit me with something as he's holding on to the ropes. So you're right. They really did, for the most part in that thing, the timing on almost everything was perfect. There weren't like lapses and gaps and you're like, oh, what the hell's going on? They really pulled that off good. And like you said, even though Duggan dropped it when he intercepted it, he technically didn't catch it clean. He still got it. And then I love him chasing away Akbar. It's so funny. Oh, Akbar's a little weasel. Good stuff. <laughs> well, coming out of that, we get our next match. The Missing Link versus Mike Jackson with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Let's hear some audio from Jim Ross about the man who we just learned is apparently named Max, the Missing Link. Boy, I tell you what, I think it might be pretty easy to make that decision right now. The assumption, or my assumption would be that uh, it's going to be very easy to love to hate this man. He doesn't have the face or the mannerism of someone you'd like to take home to meet your family, I can tell you that. The missing leg, great move by Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson exercising that great quickness. Drop kick, and another drop kick. Mike Jackson goes for that third drop kick. He may have went to the well once too often in the missing link. The missing link seems confused and the crowd, scat the crowd scatters. The crowd scatters and the link comes back in. Single leg takedown on Mike Jackson. The missing link, we heard an interview from Skandar Akbar last week that said he emphatically said that this man had never been in an insane asylum. Had never been institutionalized. He also gave him a name. They call him Max. He said that's all we needed to know, and thus far that's all we do know. But we do know that he has been a very imposing figure the last few weeks here on Mid-South Wrestling. The missing link, it's very obvious to see that the man has a, a tremendous physique. He's very strong, very agile. And he's a very methodical, machine-like individual. The missing link outside the ring, the referee counting Ricky Ferreira. I guess the missing link in here, I don't know if he knows the rules, if he doesn't know the rules. It's, I've been around uh, Mid-South Wrestling a long time, and, and normally we are able to find out a little bit about the background of some of these people, but it's been a very well-kept secret 
The missing link uh, has not volunteered any information. I've never heard him speak, so I don't know if he can speak. I don't know if he's audible. I don't know anything about the man other than Akbar says his name is Max, and he is very, very strenuous in his his definition that the man was never in an insane asylum. So that kind of tips the hand that perhaps there is more to this story than is being told. Well, there we hear it. Jim Ross almost repeating himself twice there. His name is Max, and Akbar is very insistent that he was never in a mental institution. What are your thoughts about this match or anything else, Mike? The whole Max thing is, I don't know what the point of it is, but I guess we should just wait and see. I'm not saying we'll find that out. The whole Max thing is just weird. It's like, well, why does that matter? It just, it just doesn't matter. But for the match, you know, Mike Jackson, I think, uh, and Brian, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think as far as Link's opponents, it feels like he's put up the biggest challenge so far. And I'm not saying Mike Jackson was going to win, but Mike Jackson was, you know, in the beginning throwing some nice little uh, drop kicks to Link. And he ever even had Link powder out the ring. And I mean, Jackson just overall, he looked a lot better than most of Link's opponents. And it's Mike Jackson. I mean, he's a, he's underrated as far as uh, an enhancement talent goes. Uh, most people, you know, most, a casual wrestling fan out there, even during the territory days, may not have realized it but i mean he he's even to this day I, i've said this before on the show he's still in good shape and he's still working which is crazy but anyway link eventually does win with his with his headbutt maneuver uh he doesn't he doesn't use that modified camel clutch at the end or anything though but uh you know mike jackson looked good here again but i don't i don't understand the whole i don't even know why we should care about max being link's name it doesn't really matter i don't know what do you think brian I think between this and the Road Warriors are a lot of people influenced by the Mad Max movies around this period of time. Okay, that's a good point. I think that's what it is. But the Missing Link wins with a headbutt to the back, I guess technically to the kidney area, on Mike Jackson. And then we get our next match, someone we had just recently been introduced to at Mid-South Wrestling, Crusher Darso, or Crusher Darso, as Jim Ross calls him, versus Tim Horner, Johnny Martinez. The referee, let's hear a little bit from Jim Ross about Crusher Darso. Well, I tell you what, boy, Crusher Darso at 303 pounds is quite a physical specimen. And look at the tremendous drop kicks by young Tim Horner. They're not even taking the man off his feet. Tim Horner is a, is a great young professional athlete, but he is in there against a man that I, I just have a gut feeling that we're going to hear a tremendous amount from 303-pound Crusher Darso, a man that went three years in seclusion, three years in a hermit-type life, hunting and fishing for his food, not being around any civilized people. Crusher Darso, I don't know why he left. I don't know why he went into hibernation, as it were, for three years, but he did. But he saw Mid-South Wrestling while he was working on a, in a bar as a bouncer. He wanted to come here because this is where the competition is. This is where the toughest men in all the land are. And that's, that's exactly what he says he is. He is the toughest man in all the land. And look at there. He picks up Tim Horner, a man of 225, 30 pounds, like a rag doll. He's got him in that backbreaker and the referee calling for the bell. One of the most excruciating holes in wrestling. And the 303-pound Crusher Darso has yet to be stopped. And another victory for the big man from Minnesota. Crusher Darso with no polish or any possess, but he comes on with just raw brute strength gains a victory. We'll be back. A six-man tag belt after this word from Mid-South. Well, there it is. Crusher Darso defeating Tim Horner. And it's been a while since Tim Horner had his upset victory on TV a while back. He's kind of working his way out of the territory now. He's not winning any matches on TV. He's working his way out of the territory, like I just said. But what are your thoughts about this match here, Mike? 
The world really was a different place before the internet because JR's comments here, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. It's, but it's just the point. The world was different. You know, he's talking about Darso here and he tells us Darso went into hibernation and JR claims Darso then uh, after coming out of hibernation, he saw Mid-South on TV while in a bar and he was like, that's where I want to be. And it's just, again, the, the internet really did change the world completely. And I, I know I'm not saying anything earth shattering there as far as information goes, but the internet just completely changed things. I mean, JR talking about this guy, the, the he's kind of got some mystery to him, I would think. I mean, we, we had no idea. We had no way to look up if, and validate any of this being true. But it's just amazing when you think about how, okay, he just says those things and that's what puts him over in the territory as he, you know, crushes Tim Horner and beats him pretty badly. I mean, very quickly. Coming out of that, we get our final match on this week's show, a six-man tag match. Rip Rogers, Doug Vines, and Mike McGee versus Johnny Rich, Art Cruz, and George Weingroff, Ricky Ferreira, the referee. During this match, it is announced that next week on Mid-South Wrestling, in person, will be Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer and the Road Warriors. Other than that, I don't really have too many notes about this match. Rip Rogers, as always, shining, looking great. Any thoughts about this final match, Mike? Just a couple quick notes. JR puts over Mid-South as the best wrestling on TV, and JR mentions, like you said, Buzz Sawyer and the Royal Warriors will be here next week. When he's putting over Mid-South being the best wrestling on TV, I mean, you can clearly hear Bill Watts' voice as he said that. So the other thing I had is, uh, real quick, you put yourself in a kid's eyes who who is only going to see this territory wrestling. You know, let's say this is the only program you're getting. And I know we got world-class too, but it's amazing in world-class, I never saw uh, the Royal Warriors or Buzz Sawyer. So when they say, you know, hey, the Royal Warriors and Buzz Sawyer are going to be here next week, my only reference point at that point to them would have been the occasional magazine that I would have seen in the local drugstore while I was at the store with my mother and where I saw the PWI and was like, ooh, look at these guys, you know. So you hear that, your ears raise up, and you're like, wow, we get to see them on television. We haven't seen that yet. So I thought that was um, a cool little tease and a nice hook to set at the end right there from Jim Ross. Johnny Rich pins Mike McGee. And with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter, at SuperPodcasts, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArcadianVanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I oftentimes will post clips of the shows that Brian and I discuss here. Uh, and then you can come listen to Booking the Territory twice per week at tinyurl.com. Twice per week. I'm so used to saying that, Brian. It's once per week. I'm sorry. At tinyurl.com slash bttpod. It used to be twice per week because we used to do our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps along with our NWA Saturday night on TBS recaps on Thursday nights. Uh, you can still get all the back episodes of the uh, Smoky Mountain shows. We did all 200, kind of like what Brian and I are doing here week by week through Mid-South. We did that for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash bttpod. And I warn you, the show is unprofessional. It's not politically correct. It's kind of ridiculous. It's sophomore humor, but we still have fun nonetheless. 
talking about classic Southern wrestling, something that all of us enjoy, myself, Hard Body Hopper, and Doc Turner. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!